I want us to look at Joshua 3 today. I've, I've titled this message, When You Need a Miracle to Go Forward. There are times in our lives that nothing but a miracle from God will enable us to go forward into what God has for us. And as people of the Lord, we should have a stance, stance, excuse me, stance where we are believing God for miracles in our lives. Melinda and I have experienced many miracles throughout the years. I remember when we committed to go wherever God wanted us to go. And we were in Arlington, Texas, and I was pastoring and had another job and I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do. And I felt like we were supposed to be pastoring there. And it was on a Saturday. And she had taken the kids. They were all small at that time. And she had taken them to the park to give me quiet time to get ready for Sunday. I finished my message and I sat down to relax a little bit. And I flipped on the TV. And there was a documentary that was on. And it was a documentary about missionaries in Alaska going from village to village. And I thought, oh, this will be interesting. So I sat down and I started watching. They showed these missionaries on snow machines and they'd go to a little village church and they'd go in and everything would be covered in frost and they'd start the wood stove and heat it up so that it would be bearable to have church. And they had church and they kept their parkas on and I thought, boy, this is really neat. God bless them. Those are some tough missionaries. And in a few minutes, the presence of the Lord just filled that room. And I'll never forget it. And God said, I'm calling you there. And tears filled my eyes. And I knew the presence of the Lord. And I knew it was a call from God. And I said, yes, Lord, but you better tell Melinda. (laughs) A couple of days went by and I said, honey, guess what happened? God's calling us to Alaska. And this beautiful southern belle said, I don't think so. (laughs) And I said, God, you've got to convince her. I'm ready to go. She said, you just want to go hunting and fishing. (laughs) I said, no, this isn't that at all. I said, I had no plans whatsoever to go to Alaska. I said, God called me there. So she was vacuuming or doing housework, something like that, a couple of days later, and she prayed. She said, God, if you really want us to go to Alaska, then have Joy call me. Joy was a friend of ours that had had, uh, we'd known for years, she was very musical. Her and her, her good friend Stella had both been studio mu- musicians in Tennessee, in Nashville. They were that quality musicians. But God had called them, and now they traveled all over the world. Anywhere there was a Jewish population, they felt called to the Jewish people to tell them that Jesus was the Messiah. So they traveled all over the world. We hadn't seen them in months we didn't, hadn't heard from them in months. We didn't know where they were. And so Melinda said, oh God, why did I ask that? That was silly. Ten minutes later, Joy calls her. 
And she said, I'm sorry it took me so long. I was in a meeting, but 10 minutes ago, God told me to call you. And Melinda said, okay, Lord. <laughs> That's a miracle. That's God intervening in your life. And we said, okay, God, we'll go to Alaska, but we don't know anybody there. We don't have any money to get there. God, you're going to have to do it. And I, I went out and I traded in our car and I got a four-wheel drive Jeep. And my mom looked at me, are you nuts? What's wrong with you? And Melinda, why? Why? Why did you do this? I said, because God's going to take us to Alaska. I took a stance of faith. I believed what God had called for, for us to do. And, a, and a, a few days later, Melinda graduated from college. She got ready to... Uh, find a job. She had got a degree in human and learning development, which was a teaching degree, but it was a specific degree. So she started looking through the papers. She said, Lord, <laughs> I need a job. I got this degree, and she was looking through the paper, and she came across an ad in the paper, the Fort Worth Star Telegram, that specifically said, we're looking for someone with a degree in human and learning development. And she stopped and she read that. She said, I've never seen anyone asking for this degree. It's a relatively new degree and it's not your common teaching degree. And she read it and, and it asked, it didn't say where it was. And it had an 800 number. So she set it on her desk or somewhere in the house and she went away and about a week later, she still hadn't found anything, so she said, do you think I ought to call this? And I said, sure. We don't know where it is, but if it's, if it's not here, you know, we'll, we'll see if it's God. And uh, so she called it, and it was the Kodiak Baptist Mission in Kodiak, Alaska. <laughs> and I said, that's how God's going to get us to Alaska. We called them, they flew us up, they hired us. We, we spent two years there working in the mission. In the meantime, I got involved at the church and as they say, the rest is kind of history. We went from church to church and God had a plan. And I said all that this morning to tell you I believe in miracles. I believe in the hand of God being upon us and guiding us and directing us. And we've experienced miracles of healing in our bodies. Mitch had a tremendous he shouldn't be able to play the guitar or the keyboard or the drums because his hand was literally crushed by a boat where the bones were sticking out of his hand. But God not only restored it, but made that hand as good as new. He could even stretch it better than what his other hand was when he went to do rehab because we prayed and God gave us a miracle. I want you to see in Joshua chapter 3 a miracle with me. I want us to look at this passage. Then Joshua, first verse. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. I like that. Go after the presence of God. 
Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. God wants to take us places that we've never been before. Amen? He has a new thing for you. He wants to take you in new direction. He has a new awesome adventure in your life. Get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> in verse 5, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify. They were to set themselves apart. They were to make sure the life that they were living is surrendered to God for His plan, His purposes. They were saying yes to the Lord. My life belongs to you. And then they were going to see wonders. Look at verse 6. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they, they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That was important. Joshua needed to know because he was taking over for Moses. He was following Moses' footsteps. He was leading the nation. And he needed to know that God was with him, the same powerful, present God that operated through the life of Moses is the same God that was going to operate through his life. And church, you can rest assured today that the same God that was with Moses, the same God that was with Joshua, is the same God that's with you. Amen? He's the same powerful Lord of all that wants to move and operate through your life. Amen? Let's go on. Verse 8. You shall command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of, of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the, the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and any otherzites. <laughs> Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the, in, into the Jordan. God was going before them. They had nothing to fear. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the, the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord. The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from, the, from upstream and they shall stand as a heap. So it was, when the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. It was harvest time, so there were uh, downpours of rain. It was the rainy time of year before the harvest. It was also during that time that the, the runoff from the mountains would flow. 
the Jordan, which was normally about 35 yards to cross it, now was hundreds of yards of rushing water. So church, guess what? They needed a miracle. They couldn't accomplish what God had called them to do without his miracle intervention. And neither can you. We need miracles. We need the power of God intervening in our lives so that we can enter in and possess everything that God has for us. That we can enter in and receive that inheritance. That we can enter in and accomplish all that God has for us. Amen? Turn to somebody and tell them you need a miracle. Verse 16 says that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Everyone experienced the miracle. God wants everyone to experience the miraculous intervention, His hand upon us, guiding, directing, healing, providing, all that God does. He expects us to desire and believe Him for miracles because He is a miracle-working Savior and Lord. Amen? In Jesus' first miracle, in John chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, this beginning of signs, did you hear that? This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. There's three things. The word beginning. By the word beginning, it means there were going to be other miracles that followed. Amen? Other miracles are still following. Jesus is still doing miracles in our lives. The greatest miracle you'll ever receive is when you said yes to him. When you said, Jesus, come into my heart, into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And God comes in and transfers you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the light of God's dear Son. How many have experienced that today? We call it being born again. That's the greatest miracle that you'll ever receive from God. You're part of his family, part of his kingdom. Your sins have been removed, cleansed from your life. You're not the same anymore. But along with that miracle, God wants you to expect other miracles. Amen? The second thing in this verse, it talks about God manifesting his glory. When God does a miracle in your life, He is manifesting His glory in your life. And it says the disciples believed in Him. God still does miracles, church, to receive glory, to let the world know He is the true and the living God. Amen? And that people will believe in Him. So these, things, these truths are still valuable uh, for our lives today. Miracles show the present power of the Lord. They bring Him glory, and they bring people to, to faith in Him. 
Now there are some people, there's two ways that the church often gets off track when it comes to miracles. The first is, there are those people that become what I call miracle chasers. They run from miracle meeting to miracle meeting, hopping here and hopping there, and they're always ready to see a miracle. They're always ready to see a, a sign, a wonder, what God's going to do. In church, we need balance. God hadn't called us to be miracle chasers. He's called us to be God chasers. But the second way that, that we get off track, church, is when, when we just read the Word of God and we, we say we believe God's Word, but we don't take that stance and say the Word of God says He's a miracle-working Savior and Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did miracles in the lives of Joshua and Israel, and He did miracles in the New Testament, and He is still doing miracles today, and I need to believe God for a miracle. We need to be God-chasers that believe miracles follow when we chase the Lord. Amen? There's a verse in Judges chapter 6 about Gideon and his encounter with the angel of the Lord. And he asks a very powerful question. He says, it says in that encounter, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I can't go past that without addressing that. Because Gideon was not a mighty man of valor at that time. God sees you as who you are in Him and what you're capable of. Not where you are now. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but look what else it says. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Have you ever been there? I think all of us have. Lord, I love you. I serve you. Why has this tragedy entered into my life? Why am I going through this? And the Bible says that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where, unfortunately, bad things happen to good people. It's part of the fallenness of this world. Sin and sickness and disease. Evil. All these things. But he doesn't stop there. Listen to what else he says. I like this. And this is my focus. Gideon says, And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Now the first question about why is this happening to me is like an Eeyore question. It's a whiny question. Why, Lord, why am I going through this? Oh, woe is me. I've been a good little boy. I shouldn't be having to go through this. Church, that should not be our stance. But the second question, where's all the miracles? that our fathers told us about. He's saying, God, they told us that you're a miracle-working God, and God, I want to see those miracles. Amen? 
And God said, I'm going to show you one. <laughs> he started off with 32,000 troops. God dwindled it down to 300. And he said, now, go into battle and I'm going to give you the battle because the battle is mine. And I'm going to get the glory. Amen. And he comes out a mighty man of valor. A man who experienced the glory of God. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. And we need to be just like Gideon. Lord, I see and read about your miracles in, in your word. And I, I see others that testify of miracles today. But God, I want to experience your miracle power in my life. We need to be that kind of a Christian. We need to be that kind of a church. Because people need the miracle working power of God in their, in their lives. Amen? In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus, you know, Mo, Joshua was following Moses. How many would like to follow Moses? Think about that. I wouldn't. And I'm sure Joshua was thinking, you know, Lord, I can't do this. But I want you to think about us and who we follow we follow Jesus so following Moses looks a whole lot better when you think about having to follow Jesus you see how I'm coming at that and people are looking at you wanting to see Jesus in you now listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Everybody say, I'm a believer. If you're a believer here today. Is he talking to you? Yes, he's talking to you. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. First of all, in my name, he's saying... When you're going as my representative in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, not in your power, not in your ability, not in your authority, but the authority we have as believers, the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. When it, when it talks about in the name of a person, it is talking about the entirety of, of that person's, the essence of all that they are. And we are not going in our own name. Amen? I don't run up to Pastor Harry and say, be healed in Jesus, I mean, in Pastor Milt's name, I say in Jesus' name, right? Remember who sent us. And Jesus is sending us. He's sending the church. And he says, in my name they will cast out demons. That means we will have power and authority over the, the kingdom of darkness. This past week, I was in Hawaii doing a conference for a staff on spiritual cleansing and deliverance. And there was a, a, a young lady there, a precious young lady. And uh, Misha, my daughter, and I prayed with her uh, the next day. And I found out she had been involved in witchcraft and, and satanic ritual type things. And, and there was a curse that was spoken on her mother. And she had a fear to even enter in to a crowd of people in a church. So she, she 
accepted Jesus, but she was still under this bondage. And she would come to church, but she would always stay outside in the foyer. And she would always watch on the screen. But there was a time that Jesus had set for her to come, and Jesus set her free. We began to pray with her, and tears streamed down her face. And, and she just began to smile. And she said, oh, I feel so light. <laughs> and there was just a joy in her life. And she said, I've never felt like this before. And that oppression that the enemy had on her life, Jesus broke that oppression, and she received a miracle touch from the Lord. So I want you to know what Jesus says here is true for your life today. He also says they will speak with new tongues. We, we, there's a lot of controversy in the church today, unfortunately, about that. There shouldn't be. Jesus said you're going to speak with new tongues. We see it in, in, in Acts chapter 2. God gave them a prayer language. They pray in the Spirit. The next, the next verse, or the next part of this verse says, they will take up serpents. Now, we don't do that at our church as part of the service. I know there actually are churches that do that. When I was a young pastor in Fort Worth, just a mile down the road, there was a church that did that. And on a regular basis, we would hear the ambulance coming and stopping and parking. This verse doesn't mean that we're supposed to tempt the Lord. It's talking about what happened to Paul, the apostle, when he reached into the, the, the pile of wood and a viper took hold of his hand and they said, oh, you're going to die. You're a dead man. And nothing happened to him. He flipped it off into the fire. That's what it's talking about. Protection, divine protection. It goes on and talks about drinking anything deadly. Again, it's talking about uh, divine protection. It says it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are miracle things of God that Jesus said will follow those who believe. It doesn't say a special few. It doesn't say the pastor or an evangelist. And I, I thank God for evangelist. I don't want to be a TV evangelist. I would hate that because I love people. <laughs> Drove me nuts during COVID the first three weeks. I was trying to preach to these cameras. I love you and I want you to be here. But church, what we need to see in this passage is that God says these miracles follow believers. Amen? And I'm running out of time. I'm going to jump here. Jesus said that miracles would attend the lives of those who believe Him. Look at John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. I believe God's called Summit to be a church that believes in miracles. A church that prays for miracles. A church that recognizes just like Joshua, we can't cross the Jordan. We can't go over these obstacles in life unless God does a miracle in our lives. Amen? In verse 7 of our text, Joshua couldn't make it happen. And we can't make it happen either. You can't make the miracle. 
that you can take the stance that the God I serve is a miracle-working Savior and I believe in miracles. Our reputation is at stake because we tell the world that our God is the true and the living God. We say that we believe this is the Word of God. We believe it transforms hearts. It transforms lives. Amen? So our reputation is on the line. If we say God's a miracle worker and we never see miracles, we don't take a stance to pray for miracles and believe for miracles, then our reputation isn't what it should be. Amen? And just, just, just I want to ask a question. How many of you here today have honestly experienced some kind of a miracle in your life at some time? Look at that. Don't let somebody tell you God isn't the same. Don't let anybody tell you He doesn't heal today. Don't let Him tell you, don't let them tell you that, that God doesn't break demonic strongholds in lives today because He does. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to be a, a, a person that believes God's word is true and receives it and operates in it. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Church, you need to believe that God is with you. The same God that was with Moses, the same God that was with Joshua, the same God is with you today, here, right now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. He gives us a reason there. Why that we need to see healings and miracles and signs and wonders. Why? Because people believe. <laughs> Amen? If God touches somebody and heals their body miraculously, guess what? They're going to know that is God. Amen? So that's why I pray for miracles. I pray for God to do wonders in your life. Because I want the world to know that same God that does miracles in the lives of people is the God that has the authority and power to forgive sin because of the cross. Are you with me? It's the same Jesus. The same Lord. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to cut my message short. Over 200 years ago, there was a famous evangelist, theologian in the Church of England. His name was John Wesley. And this is what he said about the church in his time. He said, there is a certain calmness, a certain slowness of expectation that attends too many that are teachers and preachers of the Word. It is a calmness that is content for there to be the going forth of the Word without the evidence of the power of God confirming the Word 
that has gone forth. He's describing the church in the time that he lived. And it was in the 1700s. He died, I think, 1791. But during that time, he was a man that believed in the Word of God. He preached evangelistically in that way. He believed God for miracles and signs and wonders. And guess what? The Methodist church was birthed in the revival that he was preaching. Because he was preaching miracles of God, there was a great revival that took place. People were saved and healed and delivered and God was moving and the Methodist church came into being because of that revival. And so church, I want us to end with that thought. Are we satisfied with the word of God just going for? You can, you can go many places and just hear a little cutesy, tickly ear message. And you know if you've been here any length of time, that never comes from this pulpit. And it never will. I'm not here to tickle your ears. And I know there's some people that get challenged and some people that walk out. And I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm going to preach the word of the living God. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to challenge you just like Wesley did. Are you satisfied with just a, a little tickling of the ears? Or do you believe this is the word of God, that it has an inherent power because it's the Word of God, and when it goes forth, it's not going to return void. And do you believe that the God that says, I am the Lord and I change not, the God that says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, is the same God that you serve today and worship, and He's in your heart and in your life, and you need to take the stance, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to believe in miracles. Amen. And I've got a whole nother two pages I could preach, but I'm not going to. But I, want, I don't want you to leave today if you need a miracle without coming and praying with one of our prayer team. And one of the miracles that's been a theme all through the day, and I want you to know, we don't prearrange. I don't tell Mitch what songs to sing. I don't know until I walk in here. In the, the, when God lays a word on Susan's heart or Mary's heart or some, one of the other people in the church and they come, I don't know that until they tell me right then. I make sure that the message that they feel the Lord speaking to their heart lines up with Scripture. And if it lines up with the Scripture, I encourage them, yes, go ahead and share that. The church, I don't want you to leave this place today if you need a miracle without agreeing in prayer and taking a stance and praying and believing God for a miracle. Now, they didn't operate on God's timing. I mean, they operated on God's timing, not their timing. Most of the time when we need a miracle, we want it now! Punch the microwave! Come on, hurry up! And that's the way we are. God, I need a miracle. I needed it yesterday, right now, right now. They had to wait three days. In, three, in the, chapter 1, 2, and 3, God all told them over and over again in three days. And it was, he was talking about the same three days. In three days, 
That's when the miracle's coming. But until the miracle comes, you stand in faith, you trust God's Word, and you expect it to come. Will you stand?